Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the video cast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. And speaking of traveling the world, we're currently doing some exploration of the northern Philippines. We actually went to the furthest northern tip of the Philippines just yesterday. And now we've uh, come back uh, doing the loop down the east. And we're heading to the UNESCO World Heritage uh, Rice Fields. Uh, ironically enough, they actually shot Avengers Infinity War there. You might uh, know that scene where Thanos was uh, in his hut overlooking the rice fields. And that was shot here in the Philippines. So uh, I'll actually have a lot of pictures and videos of our uh, travels here in the northern Philippines beyond. Make sure you check it out, out at daddyblogger.com. And as we're traveling, we're continuing our interview series. And we're so, so, so close to that magic 500th episode. We're about 470 five uh, so only about 25 so within the next month we're gonna cross over that 500 episode mark and we'll be bringing back a lot of our former guests to celebrate and to uh, uh to learn what they've been up to since uh, all those previous episodes way back in the day so on today's episode i have an amazing uh, guest who's actually uh his name is daniel fox and his website is danielfox.co he's also uh he's an artist a photographer explorer and he runs his own nonprofit called wild Eco. Uh, he's super passionate about the area of wilderness exploration, and uh, he does guided tours as well. And pretty much from uh, Alaska in North America to Central America, Baja, and even all the way down into Argentina in the south tip of South America. So super excited to cover this topic on the show here today: wilderness exploration. So uh, Daniel, how are you doing over there today? Doing wonderful, and. Um Glad to hear about the adventure uh, scene where you are right now, because uh, I actually saw the movie not uh, yesterday, a couple of days ago. <laughs> so you probably recognize that exact scene I'm talking about. It's at the very end of the movie. I don't want to spoil it for everyone who's watching, but absolutely, that, absolutely. Uh, yeah. That's what he does, and he's kind of uh, just reflecting, and then he's gazing over uh, the rice fields, and then boom, it's here in the Philippines. So yeah, that's an iconic scene in the movie, and then you don't know what's going to happen next. But uh, yeah, because, you know, Philippines, we don't, uh, here in the Philippines, it doesn't get the global stage as like somewhere like Thailand or Bali, uh, <laughs> even the food, hardly anyone knows about Filipino food. So one of the things I love to do is showcase and highlight uh, this beautiful country. And, you know, what you're doing, showcasing and highlighting some amazing parts of the world as well with your wilderness photography and uh, expeditions. So why don't we hear a little bit about you? We don't want to be talking about Avengers the whole time. You know, they already get the limelight. They get so much publicity. But you, Daniel, we want to talk about you. Uh, why don't we firstly hear a little bit about yourself, if you want to share a little bit of your background and story with the audience here today. Absolutely. Um, well, as far as I remember, when I was younger, I wanted to um, study animals. I, I've always had my heart um, in the forest, out there in nature. Um, my parents tell me that like, I would go out and they would, they would take everything for them to bring me back into the, uh, into the house. So it, was a, it, was a different, it was a different time when, when we grew up. Um, but for some reason, for, for, one, for one reason or the other, I ended up actually going in business uh, and business development in school. Um, uh, which led me to move to New York City. And in my early 30s, I um, got to a point where I reassessed how I want to proceed into my life. Um, and I wasn't really in a good, happy place. 
So I decided to go back to my roots and I sold everything and I put my finger on the map and I basically traced the line from New York all the way south to Argentina. Um, and I went there with a one-way ticket and I um, reconnected myself with my passion and with my art. And I started the Wild Image Project and that's what I've been doing for the last 10 years. It's, uh, it's basically, you know, it's a, it's a narrative about our relationship with the natural world expressed through my photography and my writing. Um, people have compared me to a kind of a, an equal part Ansel Adam and equal part Henry David Thoreau. Um, and the, the dialogue that I try to bring back is one of looking at the natural world as a framework for personal discovery, a place that teaches a sense of values and principles rather than seeing it as a destination or a separate entity that needs to be managed and, and safe. In fact, we're the one who needs to be, to be safe. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I loved how you flipped it around there, Daniel. And you know, uh, you, you mentioned your crisis point in New York and then you uh, figured out that travel is going to be part of the solution. And you know, we've all gone through that, uh, those moments of mm -hmm. depression or uh, feeling like what's the whole purpose and questioning, you know, the meaning and significance. And I, I really feel yeah. travel can help solve those big life questions. Because when you're on the road, you do get a lot of time to think. You're not in the zone of go to work get work stuff done and, you know, uh, pay the bills and you're not in that kind of that, uh, hamster wheel, if you want to call it that. So, yeah, I, I love kind of uh, talking about that aspect as well and uh, showcasing the whole, the multiple benefits of the travel lifestyle. Uh, so tell us. Well, you know, yeah, traveling, so traveling opens you to, to different, you know, it's a window to different realities, different cultures, different, like we, it's so easy for us to get caught up into our own little, uh, reality in cities and everything but once you start to travel it's just this this bag of experiences where it puts everything in perspective it does indeed it does indeed and when you start to travel you realize how much of the world is still left to see I'm just like man <laughs> I only have like maybe 80 90 maybe 100 years to live who knows but uh, so short a time and so big a world and Absolutely. Unless you travel regularly, those two pieces won't fit, right? So you got to travel a lot to see a lot. Uh, so that's what we're doing. We're trying to achieve that goal of seeing as much as possible before we hit the casket, so to speak. Uh, so yes. uh, you mentioned you've been traveling for like uh, 10 years on these amazing expeditions. Uh, tell us about some of them. I, I know you've done a lot, but what have been some of your major highlights or major geographic areas you've covered? Uh, yeah, let's hear about some of the highlights. I have a, a, a big love for Alaska. Um, Alaska has a, uh, a scale and a reality that, that defies what we have in, in the States or in Canada, uh, mostly in, Can you know, in, in the populated part of, of Canada. Um, Alaska wilderness is in your face. It's it's there. The moose and the bears are out there in your backyard. The scale of the mountains, driving eight hours to see someone, it's normal. I mean, it, it just, wilderness is, is a reality and not a concept. And, um, you know, Argentina, kind of similar, but Argentina is is a complicated country, let's put it this way. Beautiful, beautiful, but it's... Uh, it, it, and it has a lot of challenges. 
I, I remember answering a, a question during a, um, a radio interview about like which places were my favorites, and my answer was without even thinking about it. I ended up answering that the, the my the the most the beautiful things in my travels, independently of the places and the animals that I've got to encounter, were the people. I've this. I've 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 created this <clears throat> these relationship with these kind of sorry hosting families um, that I have now um, in various places around the world and truly it's the the people who make my travel um, precious and magical because um, at the end of the day we're a social species and it's the interactions that we have between us that really make life worth worth it um, you know independently how beautiful a mountain can be or how many uh, times I've encountered wildlife that you know, appear to be to be unique and just so uh, incredible and uh, uh, fortunate at the end of the day my best memories are about my interaction my connection with people it's funny you of all people say that because you are particularly focused on wilderness. You're not focused on like uh, history, culture, monuments. You're not focused on kids or orphanages or, uh, you know, like uh, the, the textiles, uh, the food, but you're focused on wilderness, like landscapes and uh, animals. So that's quite, and there's kind of an interesting uh, perspective there. Um, so what have been the highlights in terms of the people then? Because uh, if you feel that way, I'm sure there've been, there've been some amazing connections, interactions, memories formed from the people you met. Maybe if you want to share one story of one person that has truly, 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 and deeply, deeply, deeply impacted you. Well, I have, I have a good friend in Alaska who unfortunately uh, passed away of cancer uh, last year. Uh, but the, the, the thing that for me, I've, I've been told that my work um, from the people that live there really captures the spirit of the location. And I think the, the reason why is because, first of all, I, I go to these places without any expectations. I don't go, let's say, to Alaska or to Argentina saying, these are the shots that I need to create. I go there and meet the people, and through them, I get to be shown or taken to other places. Because it, be, it would be pretentious on my end to go to places that I've never been and know what to do. The only way that I can that I can capture the spirit of a location, whether it's animals or it's 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 landscapes, it's nature. Oops, sorry, I apologize. My <laughs> my dog just barked. Um, it's by um, connecting first with the, the 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 locals, and then they will share with you their passion because obviously they live there. So by connecting to their passion then you're able to really um, uh, connect deeper with the location. So I have a, uh, the Juno in Alaska for me is a really dear place. Um, I know a lot of people and one of my, one of my really good friends passed away from cancer over there, uh, Baja, California. Um, and then I have a lot of people in, in Argentina. So I have these little, these, these little families because I go, I go there and spend a lot more than usual so I will be there for six weeks eight weeks um, so it's more than just visiting and saying hi it's really like getting you into the local culture
Awesome, awesome. And I, I've had a chance to spend some time in Alaska, not to the extent you've, you've done, uh, and even in Baja and Argentina. Um, I do a little bit of the easier route, especially with the wife and the kids. <laughs> but I, I definitely, you know, as they get older, my kids are only 6'4", too. I love to do the kind of exploration you're doing, getting off the beat. I mean, we do get off the beaten path, but not, uh, you know, like a complete utter wilderness uh, in the middle of nowhere. Um, so I love to do that kind of exploration with my kids as well. So uh, one of the things you're known for, and one of the things uh, you know, I saw right away on your site, is your artist, a photographer, explorer. And of course, when you think of photographer, boom, you get it. Explorer, boom, you get it. A lot of people, when they think of artists, they might think drawing, painting, but you actually have a whole different perspective of what art is and how you and an, are an artist. Maybe you can share that with our listeners here today. Yeah, so for me, the artists have a specific role in society. Their, their purpose is to be on the fringes of society so that they are there to, um, to bring to the public different perspective um, because it's so easy for everyone to get caught up into the 9 to 5, into the, the struggles of putting uh, food on the table, to the, 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 the city life. But as an artist, you've, you, you dedicate your life not necessarily to please people or to deliver content that is going to be uh, appreciated on the spot, but rather to create different visions, different perspectives, to force people to think deeper or to reaffirm their, their, their sense of belief, um, which, you know, kind of in the parentheses, a lot of a lot of photographers or a lot of people who call themselves artists today or not really artists because they're more about pleasing the audience and when you please the audience you become more just of a content create content creator you are a design you know you will do things with a, a specific purpose of uh, pleasing which at that, that point for me def uh, it, it goes against the definition of artist so through my photography, I, I want to do things that make people um, reflect. And so when I do photography of animals, my themes is intimacy. First of all, I don't want to hide from the animals. I want them to see me. I want my, the camera to be um, more of a witness to an interaction or a moment between two species. It's not about me, the human, photographing a wild animal, but rather two creatures sharing this place, breathing the same air, um, caught in the same struggles of surviving and caring for the ones you know we 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 care and love for. And the camera is there to witness that that moment. That's why for me it's extremely important for to get, to see their eyes. I want them to look at me. My motto is that I want to receive the shot. I don't want to take the shot. Uh, when I photograph landscapes, the, my, my theme is perspective. So I purposely try to take the context out so that your brain recognizes certain elements, whether they're colors or shape, but at the same time, there's some, the rest is like you don't recognize it. So you need to start looking to start asking yourself questions and you start to put yourself into a picture. So it's more of a dialogue between the, the, the photo and the viewer. 
and then it becomes whatever the person wants it to be. Um, it's more of an interaction, more of a relationship. Um, and, and sometimes it's, it's never, you know, it, it demands a certain commitment because you can't just pass in front of a photo and say, oh, yeah, that's a sunrise. Oh, yeah, that's a such and such. You really have to stop and you have to look and then you have to go deeper. And, and that for me is a relationship between my work and the viewer a lot more interesting. And I love how you put it, uh, you're not taking the shot, you're receiving the shot. And you've received amazing pictures. I had a chance to look at your website. Uh, you have such diversity in your types of pictures, everything from your landscape uh, to the wildlife. Then you got your lava. I love the lava study, by the way. I haven't seen <laughs> lava capture that well uh, before. Uh, and then, of course, you have your selfies. When I thought of selfies, I was like, oh, he's probably, you know, having an iPhone to give a selfie. But your selfies are taken to a whole different level. I guess you set up your tripod and, then, you know, I guess uh, you have a remote or something where you've been able to capture those uh, non-traditional selfies, if you want to put it that way. Uh, and then, of course, you have your C pictures and much more. Uh, so any uh, highlights out of all the pictures? I know it's so hard to pick your favorite country, your favorite city, or favorite picture do you have one favorite or a few favorites you want to share here today no they're like you know little children you know my children they're they're all for they all represent <laughs> an experience and the way that for me I've, I've created over the years is that there is a moment that I connect and I I, I receive or I, I open myself up and, and then I get the theme of my trip and then when that happens, and then it just defines everything else, and then I'm just like anxious to come back and, and craft a story. But every time there's a little discovery, there's a little anxiety because I don't know if I'm going to be able to create or to produce or to connect. And then there's a sense of discovery, and then there's a sense of like, wow, this is amazing. You know, this is really great. I didn't, I didn't have any idea how. The only thing, like for the lava, for the lava um, series. The only thing that I knew that I wanted to do was to portray lava in a more abstract way because I, I, I assumed that there was more to it than just the regular sinuous landscape that we always see. Um, you know, it's like snow and just getting the microscope into these, these crystals. And um, so I went over there and so I spent about six weeks, uh, six weeks on the big island of Hawaii and two, three times a week, I would go, go out and hike in the lava field uh, for three hours, and I would explore the lava field. And it's really at that moment that you start to realize the power of this ancestral force. I mean, it, I mean you're literally talking about the blood of the earth, and this is what you're photographing. And the sea, and, and the contrast between the day the day the landscape, the land is tortured, it's twisted, it's frozen, it's like, it's, it's about destruction. It's really, it's a desolate place. And when you go back at night, all that tortured has disappeared. And now what you see is the glow, the warmth of the planet. And you realize that that place is not about destruction, but it's about creation. It's really the beginning of times. And it takes you to this like moment in time that is so primal, that it's so ancestral. 
And really the message or the, 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 the insight that I received and on that moment during that, that trip was a story about time, our own relationship about time, how the most beautiful things are accomplished with time. And yet in our culture right now, we see time as a disease, as something that needs to be controlled, eliminated, and you know, do as fast as possible, where like we... You know, even saying thank you is seen as a waste of time. And then their idea of communicating is through 140 characters. So time from, you know, that the, these, these process of discoveries are always so interesting because I, I allow it to happen. I purposely create room for the unexpected to manifest itself or show itself. And that has become part of my creative process. You know, you have the labels on your website, artist, photographer, explorer. I think you need to add a fourth one, philosopher. <laughs> I, I've always loved philosophy. I mean, for me, so science, I mean, a science junkie. I love science. I listen to podcasts all the time. But science for me is data, just raw data. And philosophy is context. And everything in life is contextual. It's, it's, everything can be taken you know, with it for its own uh, information, but it means absolutely nothing without the context or without the relationship that it has with, with the world. And this is one of the... So the, the, the natural world teaches, teaches, teaches you certain big themes of, of dynamics of life. So the duality of everything, nothing exists just by itself everything exists in connection with something else and even if you go down to the smallest things that we know neutron protons and all these particles they don't exist by themselves they all circle around other things and they're they move between you know a positive and a negative charge and everything exists out of tension so looking at the world in that perspective allows you to find a certain comfort in the journey of life. And that's what I tried to do through my work. Yeah, you definitely do it uh, extremely well. Uh, you know, uh, definitely a big kudos to you <laughs> for the work you do. And, uh, you know, speaking of the work you do, uh, one of your big passions is youth. And uh, you have an amazing nonprofit called Wild Eco, Wilderness Emotion yep. for Leadership and Discovery. And I love the acronyms, um, uh, Education, Conservation, and Opportunities. Tell us about the origin of your nonprofit. Uh, when did you start that up? What was your vision? Uh, tell us about so, yeah, the what and the why. So back in, in 2015, I was trying to connect with the children in a way that was um, that more depth and, and, uh, and uh, impact. Because since I do public speaking and I, and I, and I do most of my work solo, I was not really taking children out on trips with me. So. I mean, besides the fact that I was sending handwritten postcards to, to kids in different places, um, I, I wanted to do more. So I, I, I realized that my capacity as a, as a, as a, as a who I am was to create opportunities or to raise funds and, and give students who would not have the opportunity, the capacity to experience wilderness immersion given by an organization that already creates those those camps because um, for me it's it's 
it's really important when you're 16 to 17 years old to experience what it is at least once in your life, that wilderness immersion. There's a lot of studies that have confirmed that it takes about two weeks for your brain and your body to let go of one environment and start embracing or adapting to a new environment. The human species, we're, the reason why we're 8 billion on the planet is not because we're a bad species, it's because we're expert at adapting. We figure our way out. This is what we do. But through the, through the, the time, we've forgotten how adaptable and how resourceful we are. So when you're 16 and 17 years old, to disconnect from this world of conveniency and, and social media and phone and all this and go and put yourself for a month in the wilderness and reconnect yourself with that power, that inner power that you have, um, realizing that you can, you, know, you can sleep through the night when it's raining or you can cook your meal, you can start a fire, you can paddle you know, in the wind and you're surrounded by teachers within a curriculum that is extremely well constructed and, and, and applied, uh, these kids come back and they're absolutely transformed. They are, um, they're not the same. And to, to know that you've been able to, to affect someone's life in that matter is, is contagious. So I, um, I started to do that in 2015 and this year I, um, I made it basically my main priority. So everything that I do now is to bring awareness and and and, raise, and funds for for that. Uh, I'm also developing a, a mentorship program. Uh, it's a pretty committed mentorship where the mentee signs a contract and they engage, they, they commit themselves for uh, one year of homework. So every month there's a theme, um, and then that the homework in, 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 include. Um, a little bit of writing, a little bit of drawing, some reading, and it basically the goal is to make them students of life and to really look at the world around them and develop this hunger to learn and kind of find comfort again uh, into their journey. And that, that mentorship is going to be available at one point through our website and to anyone. It's not necessarily going to be just for young people, but anyone because we're all students of life. Uh, the scholarships, though, for uh, these month-long wilderness is uh, only for 16 to 17-year-old uh, teenagers who usually come from a disadvantaged background. Uh, and the, the organization that I use as my, as my, um, for these wilderness camps is NOLS, which is the National Outdoor Leadership School. Um, they're based in the U.S., but they have chapters in Canada, in the U.S., in Africa, in Sweden, in Patagonia, and places all over the world. So if people wanted to support the amazing work you're doing, um, tell us about the different ways that they can do that. Well, they can uh, buy my book, they can buy my prints, or they can go on wild.eco and donate. Um, if they're looking for a keynote speaker, they can contact, uh, they contact me. If they're looking for a host on one of their, their expeditions, um, they just have to reach out to the studio. Uh, there's so many ways that they can, uh, they can benefit from, uh, from having me around. There you go. Yeah, definitely grab a copy of Daniel's book. Uh, you know, maybe uh, some prints as well. Definitely support the amazing nonprofit uh, that he uh, started up and, uh, you know, empowering youth and showing them wellness and equipping them for life as he said uh so once again daniel what are the websites the personal website and the nonprofit website 
danielfox.co, and the nonprofit is wild.eco. Um, and either you can find me on Instagram at the wild image or Facebook, the usual culprit of social media. Yes, I'll have those links. Uh, you know, uh, I love the little rhyme there, danielfox.co <laughs> and wild.eco. Perfect. Nice and easy. So thank you. Thank you for sharing your passion for uh, artistry, photography, wilderness, philosophy, youth, and more on our show here today. Thank you so much. Alrighty, we'll catch up with you when we get back to Vancouver. Yeah, I know you're from there, so we'll have to connect and have a nice cup of Tim Hortons <laughs> steep tea together. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning into this episode. Make sure you connect with Daniel. Once again, I'll have those links below uh, to his sites. Uh, make sure you uh, support what he's doing. Make sure you support us and follow us as well. We're daddyblogger.com. And we'll see you guys in the next episode. Happy travels.